I would pour probably like this long of cocaine and like, and just do it all, do it all. And then I would at the same time too, would mix it with, with Xanax and just sit there with my heart racing. And I'm like paranoid thinking, you know, I'm going to die. I'm laying there. Like, I know if I die, I mean, if I know if I go to sleep, I'm not going to wake up because I just did all the, all these drugs. And I know so-and-so died because of this. You hear them take everybody outside and I'm hiding behind the door. You know, I, I had the, the Coke and the pills and I throw it under his, his washing machine because he had his washer, his dryer, the bathtub, the door opened and he has another door that leads to the room. And I throw the drugs. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to jail. Like, this is it. I'm going to jail. My first time going to jail. This is it. Like, you know, so I'm hiding behind the, the door and because we had all these people stay in our apartment, we had some some uh, ladies stay there, and they began to, you know, they're talking amongst themselves, and then coming to find out that somebody that stayed there that night ended up violating them, ended up violating them, and then you know, as they're talking, end up finding out that it was not just them, but also with, you know, my wife Samantha. And the thing is, like, you think about a wedding night, it's not supposed to be that. That right there just, like, just, like, shook me. Like, she's looking at me, but I turn around and I just, like, just, like, run out the restaurant. Just break down crying. Welcome back to another episode of LifeSpeaksPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to give a shout out to the Choosing Hope Foundation. Go to the website, that, uh, go to the website ChoosingHopeFoundation.org. See what they're doing over there, man. Wrapped around prison ministries, just doing big things out there. Check it out if you want to donate or if you just want to see or if you just want to just check it out and see what can happen. Hey, just see it. See what can happen. Check out LifeSpeaksPodcast.com and be up on the info about our podcast. And thank you so much for watching. If you want to donate, you have an option on there. Next, the Potter's House, GRA.com with uh, our church, Universal uh, Church in Universal City, Greater Randolph area, 2025 Universal City Boulevard. Come and check us out. See how God's moving. Let's check out the website. Once again, it's ThePottersHouseGRA.com. And man, just see how God is just moving over there. And it is awesome. Like, subscribe to our podcast, ring the bell so you get all the notifications. And thank you so much for joining us. I didn't want to die, and especially not that way. But yet I was doing so much drugs. You know, there was a point where I was doing so much cocaine. I mixed it with Xanax. I mixed it with so many different things. And I'm there with my heart just racing, racing so fast. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is it. Because I would hear people say, man, he OD'd on Xanax. Or he he overdosed on cocaine and alcohol. And I'm like, maybe that's the way for me to go then. And I would try. You know, I would, I kid you not, like, when I had that cocaine, I did, you know, I would pour probably like this long of cocaine and like, and just do it all. Do it all. And then I would at the same time too, would mix it with, with Xanax and just sit there with my heart racing. And I'm like paranoid 
thinking, you know, I'm going to die. I'm laying there like, I know if I die, I mean, if I know if I go to sleep, I'm not going to wake up because I just did all the, all these drugs and I know so-and-so died because of this. And I would finally, I don't know how I would, ha- I would feel it. You know, you black out and I would wake up like it was something, it was like a jolt. I'd wake up and then be disappointed because I was awake and thinking like, man, I was supposed to die. And you get up even more mad because here you are trying to do things and it's not working out. So at the same time, when all that stuff was going on, you know, I was still in communication with Samantha. Like I deep down in my heart, you know, as I was talking to other girls you know, messed around, you know, we were going to parties, you know, I was sleeping around, doing all kinds of stuff, like, deep down in my heart, I still had that thing for Samantha, like, and I would talk to her, I would talk about her to, like, the people that I would talk to, and, you know, and it was just like, man, I, I really want this to happen, so I would, you know, randomly sometimes just text her, and, you know. So when did you guys get back together? It was like, Around that time, because like I said, I would text her sometimes or, you know, I knew where her mom lived. So sometimes I would, you know, there'd been a time that I would drive by and I'd leave like a, a rose in her mailbox and they knew it was for me. But, you know, always trying to just, even though she was living her own life and I understood it and it's just like, well, what can I do? And I'm living my life. But there was something there that I always still longed for that. And so... So how, so how long were you guys back together before you guys got married, leading up to your wedding day? So leading up to our wedding day, it was probably like, I think it was like probably like a year. Because how old were you guys when you got married? We were like 21. Okay. So, uh, so at the time that you guys got married, uh, we'll talk about the chaos of that day that you have listed, but at the time that you got married, were you still heavily into your addictions or do they start to they they started to wind down a little bit but i was still doing the drugs so was samantha would she do it with you or she would smoke and one time you know because me when i was on xanax i was i was i was something else i was like day and night i was something else so i would cause so much trouble to her so before you know before all that, at the at the same time, like I was saying, when I was reaching out to her, I believe that it was like God preparing everything else because at that time, you know, we finally ended up talking and we, we came to an agreement of, okay, we've been through this already twice. We had got together, broke up, got back together for like a year or something or less, broke up again. And this this last time was like, okay, if we're going to get together this time, then this is it. No more breaking up. We got to make this work. And I felt like looking back, like God was preparing for what he had because at that time she had her own place and I was still staying at my mom's. So because of everything that was going on there in the neighborhood and everything that was going on, I would I went to go stay with her one time. And I went to go stay in her apartment. I didn't tell anybody because, you know, I was always partying. I was gone for a couple of days at a time. And my mom never followed up on me. Hey, where you at, son? This, and no one really cared. Like, 
so I was gone with her. Turn off my phone. It was just, you know, we we were, I just stayed with her. And when I finally turned my phone on, they had like a search party for me. Like they thought I had been killed. They went searching all the woods. They went to everybody's house that I knew, associated myself with because they thought that I had been killed or, you know, I probably killed myself, did something crazy. And, you know, at that time too, sounds like it basically sounds like you need to do something. You know what I mean? Like, so I began to stay with her more often. And there was one time that, you know, I just thank God that she had a head on her shoulders. Unlike me who just did things dumb because I had, you know, we moved across town or she was staying across town and I invited all my friends over from the neighborhood. And it's like, Hey man, let's go have a party at my apartment. And it wasn't even my apartment. It was Sam's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to my apartment. But, you know, like I said, we were always with the drugs, the guns. And I remember that guy, one of, one of the guys was like, Hey man, check it out. And he pulls out a 38, uh, 38 special a revolver, black snub nose. Hey, check it out. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, man, this is nice. You know, I w- always had a thing for guns. We were always buying, selling guns, all kinds of guns. Guns was our thing, you know what I mean? And even now. but So you and Pastor got along then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy because at that time, you know, I didn't know anything. So I thought guns were bad. I thought guns were just like for the street. You know what I mean? So... We all the guns that we were buying were were hot guns, stolen guns. So that time I had I had the gun in my hand, and Sam was in the room, and I was like, "Hey, like check it out, babe! Like, she's like don't touch that! Like, what are you doing touching it?" And I'm like, "Man, chill out! Like, <laughs> hey, man, we're all cool here." She's like, "No, you you never know what's gonna happen. You never know who's gonna touch it. your prints are on it." She like like freaking. I'm like, "Hey, chill!" Like. It's, it's not like that. You know what I mean? We're, we're all cool. Ain't nothing going to happen. So, you know, I'm like, man, she's tripping. So I go back. You know, everything is whatever happens that night. So end up taking them back home the following day. And we go back, kick it the following weekend. And they tell us, you know, I'm with Sam. They're at my friend's house. And they tell me, hey, man, we're going to go to so-and-so's house. We're going to go drink and, you know, just kick back. Like, let's go. I was like, all right, man, let's go. And I told Sam, hey, let's go. We're going to go kick back. She's like, nah. Like, I have to work in the morning. I have a job. Y'all don't. So it's like, all right. I was like, nah, man, I'm not going to go. Like, we have to go. She has to work in the morning. So they're like, all right, that's cool. So we leave. They go their ways. And I get a phone call the following day. For my friend, he really never calls me, you know what I mean? Especially at that time. And he's like, hey, man, guess what happened? And I was like, well, he's like, they shot Greg. Now, what were you talking about? He's like, he's dead. And Greg was, like, one of my, like, really good friends, like, really close. He's like, last night, man. So we had a friend's house that everybody would go kick it at. And his mom wouldn't care, so we would smoke in his room you know 
We would take people over there. His mom never, we would shoot guns in his backyard. We would just do anything. And the crazy thing is the cops would never show up. We'd shoot. We would drink, get wasted. And I had the cops show up one time when we were drinking outside. And, you know, we had beer, weed. We had everything. And the cops just tell me, get in your car, go home. And I'm like, nah, man, you're going to arrest me. They know, get in your car, go home. You know, they basically just let us go. That was one of those times where I'm like, man, that should have took me to jail. So it was at that house where when we went home, they went to the house to go kick back and drink. So they're there in the backyard. And from what I was told is that my friend Greg and the other guy kind of get in the argument. Mind you that these guys were raised together from elementary to that day, really close friends. I had them over at my apartment, like really cool. Again, the disagreement for whatever reason, and that guy pulls out the thirty-eight special, and just point blank just puts in his forehead and just shoots one right here, one shot. He falls, and everybody else just runs, leaves them dead right there on the floor. So this experience of your friend's death. Did that have any effect on you uh, negatively, positively with the drug use? Did you get more into it? Were you like, I don't want anything to do with this life anymore? No, it, you know, the, the drugs already was, it, it just, it was something that was already neutral to me. It was already just something that. Okay, so then about, what about just the lifestyle in general? So what it made me realize is that you can't trust nobody. People that you think that are, are for you, they're really against you. No matter what they say, no no matter how they try to twist it, to convey it, at the end of the day, you realize, man, these people were dirty. And they, if, if he's able to shoot him like that, imagine what he, you know what I mean? Like, I can't trust these people. So, so okay. So then with the drama of that stuff, then what, and you feeling that way, what is the drama of your wedding day? And was that family related, friend related? Yeah, that was uh, family. So, so that, our, our wedding day was just, uh, wedding day is supposed to be a day that's supposed to be, you know, something beautiful. Something that, you know, it's your wedding day. You know, you see people's wedding pictures and it's just a beautiful thing. You you see it on TV, movies. You, you just know what it is, especially us as believers now. We know what a wedding day is. But when we got married, you know, we were trying to make things right. Because I'm already kind of already getting out of that lifestyle. We already had, I moved out, moved in with Sam. I realized, like, especially after the death of my close friend, Greg, I'd seen someone else get shot, you know, just from someone saying, Shoot him, shoot him. And I'm like thinking like, I ain't, he ain't really going to shoot him. And I'm sitting right here, you know, we're playing a video game and the guy's sitting behind me. Like, and the guy's like, no, 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 don't do it. And the guy's just like, boom. And you just hear it and you see the room get filled with the gunpowder. And it's like, oh, dang, dude. Game's like, over. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking like, dude, this dude just shot him. He could have shot me in the back. I could have been paralyzed thinking all these things. And it's like, so... Seeing all that, it's like uh, I need to get I need to get away from this man. It's not it's not 
getting any better. So get there with that. You know, we're there living together and we began to try to make a change in our life. Uh, we, we just had, um, Azariah, he was, he was not even a year old. And, uh, prior to that, we were looking for a house. So our realtor at that time had told us, Hey, I want to invite you to church. So it's kind of like, so wait a second. Did you skip over your wedding day? No, it's kind of leading up. So this was our wedding day is going to that. Okay. So, okay, go ahead. So, so you want me to talk about the wedding day or? No, no. I thought that the, uh, your, your invitation to church was after you guys were already married and. Oh no, that was part of It's all kind of together. Like when they move in with each other. Cause y'all moved in. Y'all didn't get married then move in, right? Y'all, you're yeah, moving no. in and then. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So we're looking for we're looking for a house because we know um, Sam's pregnant. Found out she's pregnant, you know, and that kind of changed my world because, like, man, I want to be a dad. You know, I want to, I want to do everything for my son. Everything that I never had in my life, I want to give that to my son. So we're looking for a house. We, you know, Sam always had the head on her shoulders, like. Like I said, I came from a family that was broken, that was like basically destined to fail. That's what we lived under this whole time was your failure and you're never going to amount to anything and school being told, you might as well just drop out. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you're just wasting your time. Like, hearing things like that and, you know, you're a drug addict, your brother's a drug addict. So Sam was like, no, we're going to find a house. So it's like, all right, man. So we're looking for a house. And then our realtor was on a Sunday. She went out of her way to show us a house on a Sunday and then tells us, I want to invite you to church. And I'm like, God, I want to go to church. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go to church. And Sam convinces me. She's like, no, she went out of her way to show us a house. Like the least, the, the least that we could do is go to church. Just go with her. So we went and we went to Cornerstone. I don't know what was preached or what, but that day changed my life. That that day was, that's when God really like intervened. And that's when I realized. So you felt God that day. You got I felt God that day. And it was like, you know what? We need, I, I, I need a change. Like everything that my grand, my grandmother had taught me, my aunt, everything she had said was coming together. But through a simple invitation, invitation of go, let's come to church. So uh, during that time, from after your grandma passed away to right before this moment, did you have any time in there where you had that in the back of your mind about God? You had nothing. It was just at this moment you're like, wow, now it's kind of all coming back. No, other than just like when I would just sit in my car by myself, smoking, getting high by myself, just it was those moments where like I would hear the music that I would listen to and they would mention God or something. So I had a misconception of God. So I just believe like, you know, I believe in God. God, I know you're there because grandma always taught me. So God, just help me, help me in this situation or when I was almost getting arrested god help me there's yeah. you know one time where my friend was on 
probation or parole or something. I don't know where he was. The cops show up randomly to his house. And I have drugs on me. I have pills. I have coke. You hear, you know, you hear the door knock and you realize it's a cop. You know that knock. Yeah. And I run to the back of his house. I run to his restroom and his restroom has two doors. And you hear the cops and you hear them take everybody outside. And I'm hiding behind the door. You know, I, I had the, the coke and the pills and I throw it under his, his washing machine. Because he had his washer, his dryer, the bathtub. The door opened, and he has another door that leads to the room. And I throw the drugs, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to jail. Like, this is it. I'm going to jail. My first time going to jail, this is it. Like, you know, so I'm hiding behind the, the door. And it's crazy because a cop goes in there with the flashlight because the light's off. He's flashing the light, never looks behind the door. I see him, and, you know, I'm on drugs, so my nose is runny. I see him open the curtain, and he goes to the other room, you know, to the shower curtain. And I'm hiding behind the door thinking, like, oh, this is it, man. I might as well just step on and say, hey, take me. <laughs> but I'm just like, man, if he gets me, he gets me. He walks to the other room, and I dart out the other door, and I open the door, and I guess his sister was sleeping in that that was her room. And I kick off my shoes, and I jump in bed in her with her, and I tell her, like, dude, just be quiet. The cops are looking for me. And I just lay in there, and the cop opens the door and flashes the light. And he's, like, just looking in there, and he just closes the door and leaves. And I stay in there for, like, 20 minutes, and I just hear them, like, eventually everything quiet down. I'm like, get out and take off. So it was those things where at those moments I was like, God, help me. God, if you're real, help me. Help me, God. But so, okay, so then let's go back. To the uh, to your first experience with God or to the church, did you uh, did you pray for salvation that day, or did you just feel the presence and you're like, man, I need to do something? I didn't pray for salvation. It was just what you what I heard, what I knew. It's just like I, I okay. we need to change. And so, what did you do from that day onward? Did you start making changes in your yeah, life? Yeah, start making little changes. Start trying to, you know, stop, you know. I knew smoking weed, like, man, this something needs to stop, especially if I'm having a son, like, things need to change. And one of the things was, like, we need to get married. It's like, we need to get married. And so we, we ended up getting married. Okay. We, we got married. And our wedding day, you know, we got married downtown. You know, the thing everybody does, it was afterwards that became crazy because – a typical wedding is like you spend time with your wife, with your husband, you know, you go on your honeymoon or whatever people do. It's it's a it's an it's a day that's meant for just y'all to. You know, we don't understand what God wants in the marriage, but we did totally opposite. My mom took my son, took Azariah with her, they went out of town and that night we went to the club. We went clubbing that night. We went downtown and went to different. I was so wasted, you know, doing dumb things. And we went to the club. And from there, we went to my apartment afterwards, to our apartment. And we were there. We continued to drink and just, you know, just partying. And the thing is that we partied all night long that everybody passed out. And, 
you know, when everybody passed out, we finally kind of wake up in the morning and it's kind of like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, dang, that was like a crazy night. And then you think, you, you think that's just that, you know what I mean? But then you realize hey, something's not right because you see, because we had all these people stay in our apartment. We had some, some uh, ladies stay there and they began to, you know, they're talking amongst themselves and then coming to find out that somebody that stayed there that night ended up violating them and violating them. And then you know, as they're talking, end up finding out that it was not just them, but also with, you know, my wife, Samantha. And the thing is, like, you think about a wedding night, it's not supposed to be that. That stuff is not supposed to happen when you get married. And the day that's supposed to, you're supposed to look back and cherish and say, man, that was the best day of my life. It's, it's a memory that I, you try to block out now because there's nothing good that came out of that. And, you know, and from there, it just became a big old thing that, you know, it's like, it, it wasn't anything good. You know what I mean? And especially with, when it comes to like, people you do know you know what I mean and it's just a lot that that comes with that looking back now it's just one of those things that I don't really like to you know think about because you kind of reopen those things and it's like you know me as a pastor now you know I understand God's word but there's still that part in you that you have to take dominion because you don't want to revert back to certain thoughts, certain things, because at the end of the day, it's like God's grace is for everyone. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a struggle, but not that I struggle with that now, but just, you think about the thought you wish things would have been different. I wish, you know, and it's just wishful thinking, wish it would have been done different. I wish I could go back and change that. I wish I wouldn't have, gone to the club i wish things would have been different but you know that's what it is and so okay so after that moment was that kind of the low point where you're like again kind of reaffirming we really need to change this path we're on yeah okay so so then what did you do after that did you start going to church did you yeah we 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 started we ended up going to a different church because Cornerstone was further, like it was too far for us. So we started going to church that was close by. And it was at that church where we began to feel like a fire from the fire of God upon us. Like I began to like really desire God, get involved in anything that they had going on, being in church every Sunday. They didn't have uh, like, they only had service twice on Sunday, twice on Sunday, Sunday morning. And between the week, they had little things going on. But we were there every Sunday. And you had prayed for salvation at that point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and Sam? Sam was at the same level as you? Yeah. We were we were in this together. Okay. We were like, you know, we were, this is what we want for our life. Especially going through everything, it was like, this This has, this, something has to change, right? This is, this is enough. You know what I mean? We were still smoking, drinking, but it was like, this has to stop already. Did you guys stop hanging around some of the same people you were hanging around with? Yeah, at this point, I began to, 
you know, all my old friends began to, you know, just stop talking to them because I, I knew, like, if I talk to them, I'm going to get involved in all this stuff again. And then especially knowing afterwards, you know, man, this guy just got killed. This person still doing people dirty, robbing people, houses, you know. They had broken into my vehicle, tried to take myself, tried to deny it. So it was just like, I'm already done. You know, you kind of get sick and tired of, of all the nonsense, of people burning you. You end up building a wall because, you know, it's like you can't trust anyone. So you're walking around with that wall, and it's just like, I'm done. I, I don't want that. You know what I mean, anymore. So we started going to church. So was it during this time that your aunt passes away? Yeah, it was kind of around that time, yes. So as we were going to church, she found out, you know, we shared it, like, and she was, like, excited. Like, this was, like, this was, like, a, a, a this was an answered prayer for her. And she was really excited. And when we had her son, she was really happy. We got a picture of her holding Azariah, and you could just see her happy and you know, it, it, it meant a lot because now we had something in common that we could talk yeah. about, and that was God. So she was really happy, and we went to go visit them there in Houston. And, you know, it was just things were going good now. Things were, were changing. We, we began to stop drinking, stop doing really seeking God. And it was at this point when I remember I went to go visit my aunt. She says, I've been holding this for a very long time, like, I was waiting for this day to come because I knew this day would come. And it was uh, a possession that belonged to my real dad that she had been. She's like, your grandma held on to this. She knew that one day she would give it, you know, to you. And, you know, with her passing, she gave it to me and told me, like, give it to him at the right time. She's like, and I know this is the right time. And she gave it to me. She was just so excited and just she said, God's going to use y'all's life. And she was just, you know, it was like the best day for her to see, like, our life begin, my life begin to change, you know, with Samantha. It's a possession. What's the, what did she give you? It's something that, was that he father's. possesses. <laughs> it a was, Bible? um. Oh, no, no, I said, is it the Bible? Well, did no, you, no, did it was the Bible. Her? It was, it was uh, a wallet that belonged to him when he was young. Oh, okay. When he was, uh, so it still had his, uh. ID in there, his picture. He had wrote little things in there. So that's cool. Do you still have it? I still have it. Yeah. So okay. So what I was saying is that it's that's a great testimony to uh, to contending, right? When we when we talk now, as you're being saved, we talk about contending for your family, praying for your family, never stop, right? Like just because you pray for you know a month and nothing happens, like I mean, obviously your aunt and your grandma, you know, your grandma prayed for you probably her you know your whole life until she died at when you were 10 or whatever your aunt continued to pray for you so 20 years later right she tells she's excited and happy for you like it's just that it just goes to show how much prayer plays a part in our family's lives over the years that we don't even see or know right because like you mentioned before about the favor and grace you know it's obviously tied to your grandma and your aunt praying and contending for you, you know what I mean? So it's it's interesting to know, like, well, I guess two ways. One is how your life would have been if your grandma didn't die, right, at 10, and you still had that influence of being around her, 
you know, more daily, how your teenage years would have turned out. And then also the other way is how your life would have ended up if they weren't in your life praying for you. You know what I mean? Like, would you have ever came to God in your 20s? You know what I mean? Like, because you, you know, when you had that experience at church, it was all flooding back from your youth. You know what I mean? From your childhood. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it just, I just find it interesting because um, I know Samantha mentioned something in her notes, which we'll get into in her episode. But Pastor TJ and Pastor Desiree, I mean, uh, Ms. Desiree, talked about, <laughs> they talked about uh, their influence when they were children with God in church, right? Like Desiree talked about <clears throat> having a love for Jesus when she was, you know, six. Pastor TJ talked when he was, you know, a little child and having experience in church. And and uh, and then, you know, the things happened afterwards in their youth, but ultimately they came back and, you know, they're doing great things for God. You guys are doing great things for God. So it's just interesting to see that small influence from childhood like there was a, a calling from that point, you know, that God is like, you're going to make dumb decisions as dumb kids, but I want to give you grace and favor because you do have a purpose. You know what I mean? And that's very true because, like I said, there was many times where I saw God's grace over my life. You know, many times try to commit, uh, try the OD didn't happen. Driving drunk. One day, it was on my birthday, I still remember, I was drinking, going down this road, the train was passing, I hit a pothole, my car spins out, I have no control of it, it goes down into like a little ditch, goes up, and stops like right next to the train, and I'm sitting there, my windows roll down, have mud all over me, because you know, my car's spinning out, and I'm sitting there like, dude, I should have died, like, you know. Might not sound crazy or not, but when you're in it and you're you're there going through these things, it's like, man, like, dude, I should have died right there. Like, why didn't I? And I remember when I was working, delivering to a restaurant, and I'm there delivering, and there's a lady there at the restaurant. She's making, you know, tortillas, and she stops me, and she's like, you know, she called my name in, in Spanish. She's like, Joseph? And I'm just kind of like, yeah. She was like, you don't remember me, right? And I'm like, no. She's like, I'm I'm really close friends with your grandma. And just hearing that just like really like stopped me in my tracks. And, you know, going through everything, I, I'm, I'm there and I'm like, now she really has my attention because I'm rushing, trying to hurry up. And it just like, it feels like the world just stops or the world stopped for me. And she's like, you you know that she really loved you a lot. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, she told me that one day when I see you older to let you know that she loves you. That right there just like, just like shook me. Like, she's looking at me, but I turn around and I just like, just like run out the restaurant, just break down crying. 
That's amazing, man. Your your grandma was a seed planter, f- like for real. All this, all this uh, diligence she made for you is just, it's just amazing. All these things, years later down the road, that just come to pass. And she's gone, but she just planted, and she just knew, and she just, man, her and God, and I know you said in the beginning she was like the pinnacle of what you'd say a Christian. Like that's that's the stuff we experience. That's the stuff you hear pastors talk about. That's the stuff. Like man, that was God right there. That was her and prayer and. I'm praying for you, and and to see it come to fru- uh, fruition is just crazy. And uh, like I was saying, uh, the faith that she had, so much faith, you know, to to pass on that possession, the wallet you were saying from your uh, father to uh, your aunt, the faith, like you know, one day it's gonna come, you know, and for her to be like, oh, I guess I didn't see it, but it's gonna come. That's like the that's the faith that you know we hear and that you preach about and that the pastors preach about. Like even though okay she didn't get to see it, like her faith is like no, it's gonna come. Yeah. Like it's gonna come. That's just amazing. That's man. powerful. That's crazy. Yeah, for awesome. <clears throat> I really think about that because she was already thinking in the future. Like you know what, I'm not gonna be able to see it, but you know what, I want to pass it on to someone. So when she told me that, it was just like. That really confirmed, like, God's grace in my <laughs> life. Everything that I went through was, I realized, the reason I didn't kill myself. The reason I didn't over overdose. The reason I didn't get arrested so many different times, even when one of my friends pulled a gun on someone and we, we were sworn by, like, 20 cops and... They had just finished robbing a store, and here is in in my car. You have the money slips where they put the money in. You there's beer, there's drugs, and for the cops just to let me go, you know what I mean. So when she told me those words, it's like man, like God, like God's real, and it really, you know, I ran out of the restaurant and I just broke down crying, like, like God, you're real, like. That was one of those moments that really, mm-hmm. to understand like what you're saying, it shows you what a real Christian is. Like the love of a real Christian to really love someone, and you know, and then to see the love for my aunt as well. My aunt and my grandma would were willing to do anything, you know, for me, for anyone. I never heard them cuss. That was just like something that even now I'm just like, man, how did they do it? I never saw them fly off the handle. Just to, I'm just like, like, it boggles my mind because I know I have my moments, you know, and it's to see them. It's like, man, like, you know, that really set the 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 tone for what a, a Christian is. You know what I mean? And yeah, they were a great example, exampleship to you. Obviously, you can see it in your life, right? And the effect that they had on you, which is, you know, it's pretty powerful. And definitely, you know, like kind of like what Jesse was saying is, kind of shows you as Christians yourself to keep contending for your family and being that example for them. And, you know, that's all, you know, that's all we pray for is eventually they get it, like your grandma, you know what I mean, to have that foresight. And just to, in the midst of it, just to love people, like, even I, I saw it, even me not being saved, being in the streets, there was something within me that still had compassionate for people. 
with my friends that were going, and it was crazy because when even when we would be all high on drugs, it was like always, always a person people would go to to open up about. And it was kind of like, dude, like, why are you telling me this stuff? Like, I didn't know why. And they would tell me some deep things, you know. Some of my friends had gone through some terrible childhood things by family members where they were violated. And then you hear them open, and I'm just like, Hey man, it's gonna be all right, man. Like I'm here for you. You know what I mean? Like, if anything ever happened, you let me know, man. Like, so, like we are saying, you see that play out in our life where, even till now, like all we want to do is just love people and have people come to realize who Christ really is. And so, you know, when that happened, you know, we were going to church and then. I, as you know, we're going to church, we're, we're loving it. We're, we're being involved. God's really touching our life. I had something within me to share the gospel with people. At that time, we moved to the Southeast side and I know Sam's going to share this with y'all as well, but we saw people outside preaching on the street Friday night, you know, we, and they would just like stir. I was like, man, that's awesome. Like, I've never seen that before. Like, man, these people are out here like, you know, we're, we're going to church at the same time. We're like kind of back and forth, you know, we smoke here and there, drink and, you know, never really like, like, you know, what we know now, because where we were going, it was a big church. We didn't have communication with the pastor because, you know, as being saved, there's issues that you got to deal with and, we wanted to do more and we saw that and it stirred us. And it's like, man, I want to have a Bible study. I remember when I was on social media, I would be like, Hey, I, I want to have a Bible study. Like who's willing to come, but it's never something that was done. So I remember one day it was raining. I got to work late. So it's like, you know what? It's too far to drive. Let's go to this, this church where we see these people outside so we go and it's different because we're used to like the big church with like the beautiful choir and just all the glitz and glamour. So it was a little different, but, you know, it was nice. So but it's like this is where we belong in this other church. Was that the UC church or was this a different church? It was it, it was uh, the door on the southeast side. Oh, OK, so it was at that time we didn't uh, we didn't know like we didn't know about. You see, we didn't know about the door or the fellow, none of that stuff. So, you know, we went, continue to go into our church. And at the time, I ended up getting a phone call from my cousin. And, you know, we really didn't talk. We were really close as, as, as kids. But as we grew older, like I said, we were under always that, that thing of like, we were just not good. Yeah, I mean, so you you were always that's why I said you always try to live through the we I live life through rejection because I always wanted to be accepted by them. I was trying to do something, but we we never would get that. So when he called me, I was kind of caught off guard. Like, why is he calling me? I answer it and he's just crying. I'm like, man, this is not good. He tells me, man, he's like, Dia passed away, and I like he's just like hysterical, and that's my aunt. And I'm just like, I remember I was driving, and I pulled over, and I was like, what? And he's like, she passed away, like, 
And that was just like another blow to me. Like, man, now she's gone. So my mom took that hard. Like, at, at her funeral, my mom was just like, like, just devastated. And I remember her saying, I don't have anybody. That's it. Like, lost mom. Now I lost my sister. She's like, I don't have anyone. And I remember at that time, it was she was just crying. And at her funeral, like, I saw something change in my mom. Like, this was the first time I saw her, like, worshiping God. Because at her funeral, they were having, like, a service. And they were singing and worshiping. And I saw my mom. And something changed. Do you know what I mean? And at that time, my uncle had told me, he's like, he's like, um, your aunt's really proud of you and what you're doing. And I know she would want you to share what God has done in your life. So at her funeral, they had me go up there and, and testify and just share what God has done in my life. So that was like the first time me like being up, you know, on the platform, like sharing like what God had done and, Afterwards, people were coming out to me like, man, that's awesome that you gave your life. Because I shared, like, the drugs, everything. And at the same time, I, uh, we didn't know, but Sam was already uh, pregnant again. So it was just like, you know, things were just, like, moving for us. So that was, like, something that really, like, touched me, you know, sharing testimony and seeing people encouraged, like, I began to really feel like God's going to use our lives. So, you know, we continue going to the church and begin to realize that you're, you're limited into what you could do. You know, there was, we would hear it, you know, say like only certain people were allowed to, you know, reach a certain level or like preach. And, you know, so that fire began to die down, unfortunately, because at that time, like I said, we had a passion for, for, evangelizing we didn't know what it was but it came to a point where we had the whole row at that church filled with family um family just bringing my older brother that was the first time i seen my older brother go to church who had been in and out of prison going through all his stuff seeing him go up to the front to receive christ like you you felt good to like man like things are going you know what I mean but you realize like as God's doing that there's still work that needs to be done on the inside of me that things that are never getting resolved things that you know you should be able to go to your pastor and I remember I wanted to talk to him but it was like after church it was like the pastor was a celebrity mm-hmm. it's like you could meet the pastor afterwards and everyone wants to just shake his hand and it's like it's not hey, I, what's going on or what's your issue or, you know, you're there in the church and no one's talking to you because we're sitting by uh, the same people every Sunday and they never talk to you. So you never talk to anyone either because you think because coming out of where I came out of, it's like, well, I guess this is what church is. You know what I mean? Eventually that fire just begins to die down. So, okay. So let's go into, um, into the last point. We're getting close to two hours. So let's talk about let's talk about the um, the part of you guys getting into the Potter's house and what uh, led into that. Um, your backsliding. I'm assuming that's after you went into the Potter's house. 
and then uh, you ultimately coming back and yeah, so yourself. So while we were there, we ended up like you know getting out, kind of died down. We needed more, and at that time, um, Sam had got in contact with one of her aunts was a, a Christian, and she said, "You know what? You need a smaller church. You need fellowship." That that was her word. You need fellowship. You need to be uh, around a smaller church where you have access to the pastor. At that time, Desiree ends up reaching out to Sam because they used to go to school together. And we end up, you know, going to the church, meeting at that time. It was Pastor Will and Norma. And we, we, we loved it. We saw them street preaching come to find out that the church that we saw where we lived was actually part of the same church where the, the one on uh, the Southeast side was around the corner from our house, but we were still driving to UC to go to church over there. And everywhere pastor will would go. I was there with him. He invite, Hey, let's go to this revival. Let's go. You know, that's the first time I heard pastor Roman preach. And it really encouraged me for my brother because I heard his testimony. I was like, man, if God could do it for this guy, then he could do it for my brother. And I remember talking to him afterwards, and he was like, yeah, just continue praying for your brother. And so things were good. You know, things were, God was like really moving in our lives, and we were just encouraged by everything. And, um, you know, we just went through some stuff, and we ended up leaving the church after like a, uh, I think it was like a year and a half or something. We end up uh, leaving the church and got back into, we left the church and was like, you know what, we could, we could live for God on our own, but that only lasts so long. And it was a matter of time before we got back into, got back into drinking, having parties at my house, having people over, getting drunk and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. So you guys fall back into, into your old life, um, your marriage. Is obviously on the rocks. You guys are on the verge of divorce. And so how do you guys get out of that situation and come back? Yeah, so, you know, end up that ends up leading to me being uh, unfaithful to my wife. You know, the Bible says what is done in the dark will be brought to light. And I remember those very words that God spoke to me in that moment. And sure enough, hey, everything came to light that I was being unfaithful and you know, my thing was like, I'm not going to, I want to find a church close to the house. And at that point, you know what I mean? When everything was, was found out, like my natural reaction was, I'm just going to kill myself. Like, you know, what Sam told me, she's going to leave me, that I've always been a cheater. I've always been a liar. All this thing that we were doing for God was a lie and, it's, I'm never going to change. I'm the same old Joseph from middle school all the way up to this point. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're no good. You know what I mean? Just every, and the truth be told, it was, it was me. And she was right. So my reaction was like, I'm going to kill myself. I, I grabbed my pistol and, you know, and I just said, I'm going to do it. This time I'm going to drive far, someone far, like what I always planned. And just do it. What's the point? You know what I mean? So I grab my gun. I'm walking outside. And I look back. And I just see my boys looking through the door. 
I see the boys looking through the door, and I just put something in me like, dude, don't don't be a coward. Like, face what you did. Face what you did and take care of what you did like a man. And my my thought was like, you know what? I have to. I'm going to go to church. And it was a, a Sunday night that I took Azariah with me, and I went driving all over the southeast side looking for a church open on the Sunday night and could not find one, finally found one, went in there and, you know, said, you know what, this is what I need to do. I don't care if Sam, you know, she's probably thinking you're just doing this because you got found out. And the truth is, you know what? Yeah, because I I need God in my life. So we ended up finding another church that was there close by our house. We ended up going there for a while. But deep down inside my heart, I knew I had to go back, you know what I mean, to UC. And at that time, uh, the transition happened. Pastor Luis was there. And I remember Erica inviting us, like, Pastor Will's going to, you know, do his his last, you should go, you should go. And I was like, I'm not going to go, you know what I mean? But we ended up finally going back. And finally going back, you know what I mean? Talked to Pastor Luis and... uh we ended up going back, and, you know, it just feels embarrassing to walk. It's like the walk of shame. <laughs> Coming back. <laughs> Coming back. <laughs> walking through those doors, you know what I mean? And it's just like, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to be. Walk through those doors, and I remember seeing things change. I remember the guys that we left when we came back, like their church was just like rocking. And it's like, man, like, to see other men rise up, it was like, I know this is where I need to be. This is what I need to do. So that was inspiration for you to... Yeah, to see him, to see TJ, you know, take off and the other guys, Camille and all that. It's like, man, like, I'm being left... I mean, my thought was like, man, I'm being left out. You know what I mean? Like, I need to get in the action. And so, yeah. So when you guys came back, uh, was Samantha in the same frame of mind too? Was she wanting to come back and refocus? Uh, yeah, she was because she, so when we back went to UC, it was already me already making the effort to be in church. We're, we were attending another church before this and we were, we were there like every, every time the door was open we were there. When I, when I was working, Sam would go and we really liked, yeah, we liked the church there. But you know, when I talked to Pastor Luis, I was like, you know what? Yeah, we'll go back. So when we went back, we were already, you know, establishing ourselves in that church. And so, yeah, so when we went back, she, we were on the same page. Like, this is what we need to do. Things, my life showed I really wanted the change in my life. Like, I'm for real. Like, you know what? I could say a million words, but you know what? My actions are going to speak more. And I said, I'm going to let my actions speak. And I'm going to be in church every time. You know what? I'm going to get rid of all my social media, got rid of all that stuff. And I was like, I'm going to show you that I'm for real. And, you know, we've been we've been at it since. Well, good. So you guys hit the ground running. So during this time, um, since you guys are both focused on God and wanting, obviously, from early on, you had a higher calling for to do something for God. Um, was it easy? Was it easier for you guys to work through your issues? So like your, you know, the offenses in your marriage and, you know, getting yourselves 
to the right place where you're at now. You know what I mean? Does that question make sense? Yes. You know, we began to, you know, especially with having the godly influence pastor, dealing with stuff, like, I began to know that if I'm going through something, I can't hide it. Or I can't, I cannot just act like it's not there. I need to be open about my issues because that's what led me to fall into what I did. It's because I didn't deal with what I was going through. So I began to just be open, safeguard myself, and just do it. At the end of the day, I know what was right and what was wrong. I know what I should be doing and what I should not be doing. It was a matter of just owning up my my responsibilities and saying, you know what, Joseph, you know what you need to do. Do it, you know, and I just began to do those things. So I got a question about um, you being a father. So I want to know, like, how how much of your uh, lack of, you know, relationship with your father and your stepfather was always working and you wanting to have that relationship and, and affection from them, how did that affect you as being a father to your kids? Because um, your kids, your boys, I mean, Jesse kind of alluded to this. You're, you have really well, well-behaved boys. Like, I really like your kids a lot. And I don't like a lot of kids. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they're, I like your boys. They're really well-behaved. You know what I mean? Azariah, you know, I like that kid. He's a cool kid. But they're really well-behaved. You can tell that you guys raise them right. You know what I mean? And you obviously have a good relationship with your boys. So is that something that you had like a, a conscious awareness of like, no, I need to make sure I'm there because I know the effects of not being there and, and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like, does that? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I understood what I was looking for. And I told myself, I'm going to be the father that I never had. You know, I understand the providing my stepdad did that. Right? My stepdad, you know, awesome. But there was that part where, you know, the spiritual side, the godly side that we didn't have. And, you know, as time went on, they made their effort to live for God. And, you know, they're still at it. And um, But I knew I have to be there for them. I need to talk to them about things that I went through that were never talked about. I need to be real with them. I need to let them know the truth of things that I went through. So anytime they, ha- they have a question for me, I'll always tell them the truth and just to have them have an understanding of you know of life and what could what happens in life and just trying to build that solid foundation for them on Christ because at the end of the day what matters most in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ and well I mean I think that's uh you're a good example of the importance of having a relationship with your kids not just being there right like you can be there in their life but you can be not in their life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, obviously, like you said, your parents were there, they provided, but they were always working, so you didn't really have a relationship. You didn't have a one-on-one. You know what I mean? And that is true for a lot of people. Like, the parents or the kids, they're just there, but they don't really communicate. They don't hang out. They don't talk. They don't do anything together. It's just, we're in the same house. You're my kid. I'm your parent. That's how it is. But to really have a successful a successful kid, you know, growing up and making right choices, you really have to be involved in their life and have a relationship, uh, you know what I mean, and be there for them, spend time with them, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think you're a good example of that because, I mean, you see that a lot where, 
And as they're growing, it's a growing process as well because now he's 13. It's like I'm entering the teenage years with him. And so as he's growing and he's learning things, I'm learning as well too. So it's something that I always have to sometimes pump the brakes on everything else and say, you know what, I need to give my boys the time because sometimes we could be so busy with things. And I've learned even through, you know, the wisdom of my wife where sometimes you have to stop everything else and say, okay, son, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes you learn through the hard way. You know what I mean? And, but in the, the day it's like, I love my family. I love my boys. I love my wife and I'm willing to do anything for them because I understand what I've been through. I understand what my wife has been through. And we try to just let them know of the reality of the world and what could happen if, you know, if they don't have, Christ in their life. Good. I have a quick question. So you guys uh, had Azariah before you had this moment, you know, of God in the church and stuff. How'd you guys come up with the name Azariah? Because that's a biblical name. So were you already kind of reading uh, your Bible? Like, how did you come up with Azariah? Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I've never thought no, about that. No, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so we were looking up names. We're looking up names. So his name is Joseph Azariah. My real name is uh, Jehoshaphat. My grandma named me after King Jehoshaphat okay. in the Bible. So at the time we saw, we're looking at different names, and we saw the name Azariah, and we just liked the name. Really, so, you know, we chose that name, and it wasn't until afterwards that we began to do some research and really dig deep, coming to find out in the Bible that, uh, Azariah is actually the son of Jehoshaphat mm-hmm. in the Bible. So we didn't know that until like afterwards. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I just thought of, I, just, I figured that you guys named him after you guys were already saved. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was a man of faith. You know what I mean? So that already sets the, the precedent and the groundwork for who you want your son to be. So it's like, it's just all these little pieces that God, you can see God moving in your life and, you know, you might not be making the righteous decisions, but God's kind of placing these things in your life, preparing you for your calling of being a pastor and, you know, raising godly men who, you know, will see what they do, you know, for God and stuff. So going through uh, your experiences in life, what would you tell somebody that um, is going through the same thing you went through? So addiction at a young age, um, this feeling of abandonment and rejection, um, like what kind of advice would you tell somebody that can relate to your testimony? I would say for the person going through through that, it's that the reality is that you need to you know, just be open with what you're going through. And we all have that one person in our life that knows the truth of the gospel, finding that person and just being open with them and letting them know what you're going through because as much as I went through what I went through and it was hard, you know, at, at the end of the day, if I look back, it's like I could have prevented so much things in my life if I would have just surrendered my life to God at a young age. And looking back now, I wish I would have done that as a teenager. I see all the teenagers now living for God and it's like, I feel like I wasted those years of my life, drugs, everything. It's like, 
you know, but, you know, we go through things for a reason and, you know, there's nothing I could do about that now. But for the one that is at that point, it's like, you know, just give your life to God. That would be the best decision because you will put yourself ahead of so many others. And that's what I tell my boys. It's like what you're learning now is what I'm realizing now at my age. And you could bypass everything that I went through and get ahead of the game. You know what I mean? Get ahead in your walk with God. By the time you are my age, you're going to be further along than where I'm at, you know, because we want the next generation to take it further than what we're able to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have anything to, cl- to, to say, Jesse? No? So, you know, thank you again for joining us. I mean, you guys have a, you have a powerful testimony. Um, you know, God's going to move in your guys' ministry. You know, we're excited uh, for you both and for, you know, to see your sons and see everything that God does for you guys in your church and the growth. Um, your disciples. Yeah. Yes, disciples. God. <laughs> They're in converse, believing God for greater things. So, no, it's awesome seeing you guys do what you do. So, thank you again for joining us. Yes, thank you thank for you, having me. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Join us next time. Um, just a quick update. I got a text from Casey. She said yes. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Casey and Isis. Oh, uh, he didn't text me. Because <laughs> you didn't know about it. <laughs> so He right. texts me. Oh! <laughs> well, that's awesome. All right, so join us next time. Thanks. I was always worried for my mom. I hated my dad, oh, and okay. I was glad to be away from him. I hated him so much. Even though I still longed for him in a certain way that I really can't explain can't really describe why but i mean he's my dad you know yeah but um yeah i i i hated him and i was glad to be free from it i was even though we were living in an rv in my popo's backyard or you know at my minas it was like i was glad to be gone from there but looking at it now as an adult it's like man like she had a son there he was a teenage boy and Every time we were there, every night, you know, he would molest me. And, um, um, how old were you at this point? I was, I was probably around kinder, first, second. I mean, you know, I was very young. I was little already. And I was terrified, terrified. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, like, what's going to happen? Like, what's he going to do? Yeah. So um, he starts telling me on our drive, and I'm, like, trying to just stay looking straight. And I'm trying to keep myself together because I don't want him to see me scared or weak because I didn't want to make myself. Like, I didn't want him to think that it was going to be easy for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I remember I told myself, like, you have to be strong. Like, show yourself as confident and strong. I was like, no, like one day I'm going to be an adult and I'll get to make decisions for myself and I can protect myself and I can protect my kids. I can do things different. I need to make it there. 
you know, I, I was determined to do right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wanted good. I never wanted to be bad or do bad. And eventually I did, you know. And do you attribute that to your experience with your grandma and and the philosophy of, of Jesus, of what you heard in the of, church? Or? Of like a drive to do right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I attribute that to Jesus, knowing Jesus. Um, yeah, just knowing Jesus in those times I would cry out. I would cry out to him. I would pray. I would cry. I would cry so hard. I would I would cry and I knew he was there. I knew he was there with me. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the fight that was in me and the desire to go on was probably placed in me by God. Yeah.